We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our emergency freedom alerts for October 23rd, 2023. Next report, switching gears. A lot of my listeners asked me about this. I kind of wanted to wait for this to play out a little bit before I reported on it. The whole thing with Karen Kingston, how she was being targeted for basically assassination. The whistleblower regarding the COVID uh, kill shots. She breaks silence. Government is using hidden tech to terrorize people. And I've been using doing this a long time, but this is also a really good warning video for all of us to know about of what the government is doing and is capable of doing. Ukraine and other big issues have made it obvious that our government lies to us a lot. They lie about what's happening in our country, they lie about what their plans are, and they even lie about what our own government is capable of. So that raises the question, just what hidden technologies could the government be using to quietly control, terrorize, and kill us? James Giordano is a professor of neuroethics at Georgetown and also an advisor to the U.S. military. Back in 2018, he delivered a disturbing lecture at West Point about the human brain being the battlefield of the future. We've clipped the most interesting parts. Have a watch. We could stop it there and I could let you go back to your respective units and think about that for a while. But I'm here to tell you absolutely as much as there's a big old Tyrolean nose on this face that you will encounter some form of neurocognitive science that has been weaponized not only in your military career, but in your personal and professional lives irrespective of whether those two things coincide or not. So the idea of the brain as the battlescape is very important. And more importantly is this other acronym that's up there, which is WMD squared. Please get used to this because this is going to be part of the idea of irregular warfare and ongoing military innovation in your careers. Weapons of mass destruction and disruption. Disruption and influence will be the key to creating peer capabilities and asymmetrical engagements. Let me say it again. It will be the key to creating peer capability and asymmetrical relations and engagements. And under the veil of a white flag, he and I are now to have some kind of a caucus, a meeting. And during that meeting, what I do is I lace the rim of his drink or his pen or his seat or something in his immediate environment with very, very low dose drug or toxins that are going to affect his stability. They may affect the way his brain works and as a consequence of that they can affect the functions of his brain his thought patterns his relative emotionality and the behaviors that go along with that one of two things might happen he might be completely incapacitated as a consequence of this or he may change his level of capacity and engagement so that he went into the meeting thinking i hate this guy this guy's my enemy he walks out of the meeting going, i love this guy this guy's great now what could happen if in fact this is a gentleman who has charismatic, financial, elected, or dictatorial power. If you're not aware of what nanoparticulate matter is, it's that matter which exists on a scale of 1 times 10 to the minus ninth. Very, very small. Smaller than a cell. And we can manufacture materials that have discrete properties that can be controlled by virtue of bioengineering and their physical chemistry. To auto-aggregate, to be able to aggregate in particular areas based upon their biological and chemical sensitivity, but now we go one step further. Most recently, just a few weeks ago, it was announced that you could then aerosolize nanomaterials. And go one step further, I can create small robotic units, controllable robotic units at the nanoscale, and that these two can be aerosolized to create 
a nano swarm. And then they can put him in the COVID kill shots. And behind him, like it's almost like who's advertising for this lecture. It says modern war. Modern. This is modern war. This is the modern warfare tactics. Of biopenetrable materials that you cannot see that can penetrate all but the most robust biochemical filters that are able to integrate themselves through a variety of membranes, mucous membranes, and wherever, mouth, nose, ears, eyes, can be then uptaken into the vascular system to create clumping, can affect the vascular system of the brain, or can directly diffuse into the brain space, and these can be weaponized. And they can be done in such a level that their presence is almost impossible to detect, and as such, the attribution becomes exceedingly difficult to demonstrate. How much of this material would I need? Take a look. This is the front of my pen. This amount of nanomaterial, if be able to maintain and sustain with regard to its deliverability and aerosolization, could in fact affect all of you. Okay, so that was five years ago, before even COVID. So how far do you think things have moved in the past five years? What kind of invisible weapons could the government be deploying on the battlefield of the brain? Well, here's one hint. The next year, in 2019, Professor Giordano was co-author of a scientific paper, paper on aerosolized nanobots. Robots so small they can spread through the air like water droplets, as you just saw him explain. What does it feel like to be hit with a neuroweapon? Well, Karen Kingston knows what it's like to be targeted by a neuroweapon, and she says she knows how to treat it as well, and she joins us now. Karen Welcome back to the Stu Peters Show. It's good to see you. Oh, thank you for having me back, Paul. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. And um, as James Giordano said, they they use the neuroweapons um, potentially to take out leaders. You know, so you know, back in July, um, you know, with the help of the of the Stu Peters platform, you know, um, a lot of the messaging and evidence I was putting forward was gaining momentum and. Um, I was effectively hit with some of these neuroweapons. Um, and what it what it feels like is, well, well first of all, they can put it, um, like he said, like in on your food. Um, you, believe it or not, once, I, I, I really believe they actually put it in mustard, like on a sandwich. Uh, they can put it in a drink, or you can be hit with a puff of this aerosolized um, technology. Um, and immediately what I felt was congestion in, in you know, um, kind of like a nasal congestion up into the head and in, in the eyes and a tingling over your body. Um, and then you, you get kind of um, dizzy and lightheaded um, and your cognitive function, um, you're not able to really articulate um, thoughts or ideas very well. And another thing that I noticed was uh, almost an emotional numbness, except an extreme heightened sense of anxiety uh, and terror, if you will. So... We know that COVID-19 causes a loss of um, smell, um, and that's what happened as well. So if it goes through the olfactory nerves, that goes straight to the amygdala. Um, and, um, you know, between this burning sensation that you have and whatever this neurotoxin is, um, I really felt like I was in a state of terror. And it was very difficult for me to articulate my thoughts as I, I normally um, would. And I'm still having problems to this day. But what was most alarming was the tightening in my chest and this extreme thirst. Um, if anyone's been through surgery and anesthesia, it's kind of like that, but 10 times worse. 
to the point that I was on my knees begging out to Jesus and God that if this is a inkling into what hell is like to please save me and rescue me now. Um, so it, it, was, it was very, for me, it was very terrifying when I was hit with these neuro You can just tell. I've never seen like this countenance on Karen's face. You can just tell she's been humbled. This is the most humble I've ever seen her. Now, I'm not saying she's full of pride and puffed up. or I'm just saying that it's tangible. Like, she looks like kind of a different person. Um, She's been taken through a lot of agony and terror and um, cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ to say, basically, you know, save her. She says she's a Christian. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying she's not, but I mean, just to save her from a let me live type of standpoint from this and that's really our only hope anyway um <clears throat> but yeah it's 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 definitely she's definitely changed and i i would i would have to say whenever that type of dynamic happens it's for the better um because the lord loves humility and the lord loves um, which is the opposite of pride and total reliance on him. And I believe that's where she was taken. And it, it happened more than once. What I found treated it. Oh, and I, and I also had inflammation of the body. So um, the first thing I noticed was my hands, your fingers, my fingers swelled up. But then I started to notice swelling throughout the whole body. Um, so I took large doses of antihistamines. So an antihistamine is like, you know, Claritin, Zyrtec, uh, Benadryl, Allegra, those kind of things. Um, and then any kind of anti-inflammatory. Um, uh, I personally took diclofenac, but you could take a, you know, a prednisone, you could take Tylenol, Advil, those kind of things. Okay, well, again, that's not the route I would go. You're going to go antihistamine route. Probably the best just pure antihistamine I know of is Antronex by standard process. I don't carry the line anymore, but it's very, very good. If you want Antronex to work even quicker, you crush one up under your tongue. I hit, you know, I use a little peppermint oil with it. And um, it's about the best natural antihistamine I know of, that I'm aware of. Uh, Biotics makes a couple different Histoplex, AB, and his, I think Histoplex is for food allergies. Histoplex AB is for environmental allergies. Um, that's more along those lines. But as far as just a pure antihistamine, Antronex by standard process is the best one I know of that's natural. Uh, Any inflammatories, obviously, you can get into turmeric, um, curcumin turmeric. You always should do that with black pepper, it kind of activates it more. Uh, olive oil is very good. Fish oils are, are good anti inflammatories. Now, these are not going to act like a drug, uh, but they're, they're along more the natural lines. Uh, magnesium is is a good uh, anti-inflammatory. Uh, I'm just kind of off the top of my head, just some of those ones. And I, there's a whole bunch more out there, but I just I wanted to give some natural alternatives. Um, and then you know, based on my understanding that these neuro weapons contain the nanotechnology, I do use a, a zeolite spray. Uh, that I sprayed in my mouth and believe it or not, I sprayed it in my eyes and I just kept spraying it um, because it's supposed to help bind to that the technology. 
So that was my, my most recent um, experiences. And when you're targeted, um, keep in mind that, you know, it, it, they just need as um, James Giordano said, I mean, you're talking about an amount that's invisible to the human eye. So, you know, if you go to your local grocery store and you get some, you know, um, ribs to go or fried chicken, they can just spray the inside of the bag, drop, you know, the food in there, and then that food is contaminated. Um, you know, if you're staying in a hotel, um, they can, you know, just in the little cracks in the door, they could spray something into your room. Um, and we also know that they could use electromagnetic frequencies. Um, and the, the weapons that they develop, you know, many of them look like a smartphone. And, you know, these smartphones can be weaponized with 5G. So you could have that targeted at you and be hit with a, a 5G um, EMF. And Dr. Anil Mahalchia actually recently reported that um, Senator Ron Johnson and other senators uh, reported that they were hit with EMFs and they suffer from Havana syndrome. Um, so... What I explained, though, again, is when I was hit with the neuroweapons, there was mass inflammation throughout the body, you know, including the central nervous system. I assume there were some toxins in there that caused um, some of the cognitive dysfunction and uh, the heightened state of anxiety. Um, and and so I, what I just treated was the inflammation. Now, um, you know, if someone is hit with these, I recommend obviously seeing a doctor that's an expert in it for treatment. You know, this is just incredible. I mean, because you are right. I mean, everybody watching the Stu Peters show uh, and your, you know, essentially um, repeat appearances here on this program, you and Stu going over patents, you know, the bioweapon, exposing, you know, a ton of stuff, exposing the criminality of Pfizer, the court documents that they wanted hidden for 50 years. All of this, all of this information is coming out, it's gaining steam, and then boom, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're kind of off the grid for a long time. And I know a lot of Stu Peters listeners, uh, viewers were very concerned, like, where's, where's Karen Kingston? Is Karen Kingston okay? And so now, you know, here's, yeah. here's the, the explanation. You, you know, you believe you were essentially, you know, it was a, a, an attempt on your life, really. Yeah. And, um, I was told when I returned to the States that if I kept a low profile and backed off, um, that, um, this would stop. And, um, Paul, the devil doesn't honor his word. So I still need prayers and protection. I really do more than ever. Hmm. And this isn't, is this the first time that you think that you have been, uh, you know, given something that, you know, made you sick because of the information that you were, you know, covering and revealing? Uh, that's a great question. Thank you for bringing it up. Um, actually this has been going on for more than two years and, um, in October 2021 and November 2021, I was hit at speaking events. Um, and I'm, I'll send the evidence to your uh, production studio so they can show them. Um, at the speaking events, um, I was told I was hit with a tick. So a tick is like a, an invisible Band-Aid, you know, and, it, and someone was probably prayed with me and pressed it into my skin. And I was hit with the full-on um, uh, COVID-19 bioweapon uh, nanotechnology um, and hopefully you, know, you can show the view viewers my skin turned green and then it turned black and fell off and and I hope we can get the, the images to show yeah, they're, them they're there yeah. I looked at my I, yeah, I looked at the blood work my blood work you could see the self-assembling nanotechnology 
in my blood. And I, um, I became very, very ill. Um, and the only way to treat it successfully was with EDTA. Um, that was the only treatment that was really effective. What happened after I did the EDTA is these, um, when my skin turned black, it had like these black bubbles. It's really gross. It almost was reptilian looking. Yeah, she's showing pictures of the, of this stuff. Well, and it's funny too because the clots they're pulling out of people, the COVID nineteen, the, the embalmers. I've played that more than once. Where a lot of these these you know three foot clots they're pulling out of people's legs that are like Franken GMO nanotech clots. They and they analyze them chemically, and they it's not anything that should ever happen in the human body. The chemical composition. Uh, a lot of them have reptilian like scales. The actual clots themselves and that fell off and my skin cleared up and as you know dr animal Hachia, she's had successful treatments with edta yeah i don't know of other people who've had their skin turn green then black and then obviously um my blood was contaminated i was sleeping 20 hours a day um at one point um i i had massive bleeding um from my nose and and everywhere and my bed looked like someone had been murdered in it uh, my poor son had a witness you know Basically, his mother completely incapacitated um, and bleeding. Um, so that happened over two years ago. So I want people to know that, you know, I've done not just the best I can do. I've, I've been doing all I can endure, really, right. to get the truth out. I've been going through similar things, I'd say, for the last couple years as well. Um, just incredible amounts of inflammation, kidney pain. Uh, sometimes chest pains, uh, all kind of joint pains that just come out of nowhere, teeth pains, that one wisdom tooth I got out last year was just such a mistake and it's created other problems in my mouth now and that's just ongoing and I mean I require massive amounts of sleep and, and this is me doing all my stuff that I tell you to do, that's why I'm saying I probably would have been dead a long time ago um, for not God's intervention and <clears throat> the uh the supplement protocols i've been on um ongoing i do do a lot of what she's saying as well and i would have been dead a long time ago i'm i'm convinced of it <clears throat> i think i've been a target for a long time increasingly and i think they've got ways of targeting us now that are so advanced uh you got cern you've got d-wave quantum computers you've got i mean there's all kind of stuff they could be doing with the satellites and stuff that i'm not even aware of to target us to take us out you know, uh, take out our immune systems, um, <clears throat> lost my basically function of my right eye, you know, like I'd said before, I don't know, that was probably about four years ago. So I'm operating off one eye as well, which, you know, um, I'm going to still believe in God's healing for that. But I feel like I've been maybe not as intense as her, but I feel like I've been under these attacks for at least a couple years now. I mean, uh, so I'm, I am very familiar with kind of this concept. There and um, this last attack, I'm still traumatized by it, as you can see. Um, but, you know, I, it's not normal for me to really to panic, which is um, part of the reason why I think that, that um, you know, there are long lasting neurological effects um, that take time to heal when you're hit with these neuro weapons as well. Uh, because when I was hit with these other biological weapons, um, you know, either was brain fog and everything else, but um, 
you know, cognitively, I was still strong, you know, um, uh, a strong, you know, you know, in this last round, really, it really, it really hit me. Um, it really hit me hard. And, and again, the devil doesn't honor his word. They're not backing off. Okay. So you said that, you know, you've been doing all this to get the truth out. So let's go ahead and double down here. And, you know, if you had to summarize the truth that you're trying to get out, what is it, Karen Kingston? Well, whether it's the COVID-19 or the injections, um, you know, we're under attack um, by an advanced artificial intelligence technology that, as James Giordano said, can be aerosolized, it can be put in your food or beverages, uh, and it can be injected. And it's invisible to the human eye. So um, attribution or, you know, or, or trying to identify what's causing these illnesses um, in America and these deaths and disease um, can be difficult. Now, we know the injections, there's direct correlation now. But, you know, I think the next wave of attacks, um, you know, again, whether they call it a virus or I don't know what they're going to call it, uh, mass psychosis, more than likely it is a, a, an advanced now technology attack on global civilians. So we have to stand strong in the truth. And, not, and, and, and I, I think that's what's most important is to not capitulate to the lies. Um, and to remember that we are a country founded under God. Our rights are given to us by God, not the government. Um, and I think I had a strong position reminding people that, that they have the authority to take control in their own communities and protect themselves and their children um, and to work with local officials to do so. Um, and, and, and that and, was, and, and that, that was successfully done. Oh, and I also, I don't want to leave out the fact of all the prayers of my listeners. That That's gigantic organically huge um regarding me still being here when i you know i've been doing this now for um since really 2005 so you know about 18 years and then even going further back than that um i'm i'm the type of information source that they really don't want around um trying to get out as much truth as I possibly can so that we're not destroyed for lack of knowledge so that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices but um, yeah the prayers of the saints uh, just gigantically huge uh, regarding uh, me still being here regarding this ministry still being here um, my daughter still being here and everything so I, I thank God for all of you and God bless you you were being successful at that in in Florida counties, right? And then you were also educating local uh, local authorities, really in other places too, right, across the country. Yes, I was, and I, I think that I, um, you know, when people reminded that again, um, our rights are given us to God, uh, are given us to given us to by God, and uh, we are created perfectly in His image, and no one has authority over uh, our bodies, our minds. Um, and our souls, um, other than God, you know, and I think that upset the enemy greatly. So, um, you know, if you can't tell, Paul, I'm still timid right now. It's, um, uh, and I, I really just, your, the prayers of the viewers, um, you know, I'm here because of their prayers and because of my faith in Jesus Christ yeah, and because of our almighty God, Yahweh. I'm confident of that. People say the three. I do not adhere to the Yahweh. 
key in Yahweh in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. That's, I would not use that word. And you'll see why if you see my teaching on that. And if the three-letter agencies wanted me gone, I'd be, I would be gone. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> I'm here, you know, because of yeah. my faith. Yeah. Uh, and because of prayers and the power of prayer and the power of Yahweh. Wow. Well, I aim into that, and I know the Stu Peters audience is going to, is going to continue to pray for you, and you know, pray for yeah, you. Yahweh is the Phoenician storm god. Just so you all know, it's not the god of the Bible. It is not, and that's easily, easily provable. Okay, we don't need to use Hebrew terms and things of this nature in order to address God. Jesus, God the Father, all those things are fine. I've been in many instances where I've been in the midst of pure evil or battling witches trying to kill me, or evil entities trying to kill me, and the only word that i ever had any conviction to use that worked every single time was jesus okay just so just that's my take recovery and really just generally i mean you know <clears throat> here you have done all of this work and it's all out there it's all available for other people to pick up the torch and carry it uh you know even further to to expose it to get accountability i know Stu uses the term extreme accountability i would certainly concur with that i mean because this is uh we, we are literally in the midst of, uh, you know, the powers that be, whether they're, you know, public or whether they're hidden, they clearly are at war with humanity. Uh, they're obsessed with depopulation. Uh, you know, it's, it's obvious that we're not, you know, not only being poisoned by this cloak and dagger spy type stuff, but also our food supply, our water. And I know all of that can integrate into those things as well. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's very you know dangerous times, and uh, we have to remain vigilant. And Karen Kingston, thank you for remaining vigilant, and thank you once again for coming on the Stu Peter Show. Yeah, th thank you. And, and just lastly, I want to say um, I was unaware of the breadth and the depth of the reach of this plan. Um, and um, just like you know, as Christians and people of Judeo-Christian values, we're very open about our faith. Um, I think it's called the skull and crossbones. There is a there is a dark. Um, cult out there that's secretive and you don't know the reach of it um and in the book of mark 13 i think it's verse 14 it says brother will turn against brother to death um parent against their child and child will put their parent to death um people will be threatened to hurt other people um Stu did a great interview with laura logan where she said the neighbors were turning the yeah. jews over into the nazis you can't have a genocide she said you can't have a genocide without the neighbors pointing where the people are hiding right yep keep in mind though when people are terrorized in fear and fear um i mean remember the von Trapps from um um the sound oh, of music the, the sound, the of, sound music. of music yeah yes. Yeah. So, you know, when a son uh, became part of the Nazis and turned on his own family. So, you know, it is in the book of, of Mark. We are in dark times and we need um, we need to repent and we need to um, reach out to one another and love and, and, and remember that connection. Um, what kept me going was rem rem reminding myself I was made uh, in the image of God. I have a connection to God. Um, and we all do. And we need to remind uh, our loved ones and our neighbors of that connection as well to stay strong in this attack. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jesus Christ is on his throne right now. And uh, we need we need to remember that. And uh, no, nothing, nothing. The gates of hell are not going to stop his kingdom, the advance of his kingdom, even though the enemy plots and plans uh, and, you know, maybe wins apparently little battles here and there. Uh, God wins in the end. Karen Kingston, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story with us today. God bless you. 
God bless. Thank you. All right, folks. Okay, so normally when I'm going to cover spiritual stuff, I usually play it at the beginning, but the 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 nature of what's going on in the Middle East, I've just felt like okay, I need to cover that first, and then um. I'm going to cover this last in a couple different videos. This happens in the unseen world when you sleep with someone. Okay, and now this, you may say, oh, I'm happily in a marriage and I haven't whatever done that in a long time. I understand, but there's still, <laughs> that doesn't mean that the ramifications of that are done away with. Okay, and I think this video kind of goes into explaining that. And then I'll give... I mean, I don't even think they mention it in this video, but I'll give just my, the standard thing I give on deliverance, really it's more self-deliverance, um, at the end of this. What happens in the spirit world when you sleep with someone marriage, my friends, was established by God himself. Among its many purposes, one is to fulfill the sexual needs and urges of a husband and wife. Sexual intimacy is intended to be experienced solely between a man and his wife within the sacred bonds of matrimony. It is not meant to be a casual activity between two individuals seeking to satisfy their temporary desires. 1 Corinthians 7.2 states, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. However, what many fail to realize is that engaging in sexual relations with someone outside the covenant of marriage carries far greater consequences than the fleeting pleasure they seek in those mere moments. During the act of intercourse, it is not solely a physical experience. Something profound is happening in the spiritual realm, something that most people fail to recognize. There is a genuine spiritual transference taking place between the two individuals involved. As stated in 1 Corinthians 6, 16, Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. In the realm of the spirit, you are uniting yourself with that person, declaring, In the spiritual realm, we are one. And yet our society takes fornication and adultery so lightly. Our world paints the picture that you can just change sexual partners as often as you change your clothes from one day to another day to another day. According to God's word and according to God's law, when people sleep with one another, it is not only a physical experience. Yes, the physical experience is undeniable, but equally the evidence of a spiritual connection is undeniable as well. Two people who are involved in fornication may have a relationship that is so bad and negative, and you ask yourself, why don't they just go their separate ways? They want to leave each other, but they can't. They know they are not good for one another, and they want to leave, but they can't. They know that their relationship is going nowhere, and they want to leave, but they can't. They know that their relationship is unhealthy and toxic, and they want to leave, but they can't. Why not? It's not that simple. There is a connection between the two of them that transcends the physical and any other platonic relationship. They have been joined together. They have become one. Do you understand that there is a connection between them that transcends nature, that even transcends this world? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. It's a bond that transcends human comprehension, delving deep into the soul's intricacies, interweaving destinies in an inextricable embrace. 
It's a bond that transcends human logic. It is a bond that transcends the healing nature of time. Uh, the Bible says, For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. In other words, these two people are married in the unseen world. There is a relationship status called friends with benefits. A friends with benefits relationship is one in which two people are physically intimate with one another, yet they're not committed to each other in any way. People involved in a friends with benefits relationship sleep together, but their relationship isn't romantic and isn't exclusive and has no strings attached. Have you ever noticed that in all friends with benefits couples, at least one of them begins to get attached to the other person? It happens every time. One or both people get attached. And the reason for this is they are joining themselves to one another. Fornication builds a spiritual connection between people. Why do you think breakups are so difficult? When the relationship ends, you feel so lost as if something has been taken away from you. But the truth is, something has been taken away from you. A part of you has gone with that person, and a part of them is with you. Breakups can feel somewhat like grief at points because someone to whom you were joined has left. There are people who are married to someone and they still miss their ex-lover of over a decade ago. There are people who are married to someone and they still think about their ex-lover of over a decade ago from time to time. Why do you think that is? It's because they have become one flesh with them. You hear the line, time heals everything. No, it doesn't. Time does not fix the things of the spirit. So three, four, five years can pass and you are still struggling with this breakup. God created sex, he did. God loves you, yes, he does. And for this very reason, this is why God has created the specific parameters for two people uh, to sleep together. God cares and God's laws are there for you to follow for your own good and to benefit you. God knows the consequences of people living a promiscuous life and time and time again in his word, he warns us against this lifestyle. So there is nothing wrong with you wanting sex. However, it is meant to be obtained through the parameters set by God. Allow me to illustrate the profound connection that is created when two people engage in a sexual relationship. Consider a woman who works a standard nine to five desk job in an office. Let's say she sits next to the same person for 10 years and they become the best of friends. They have lunch together every single day and spend more time with each other talking and working than they do with their own families. They meet up outside of work, celebrate birthdays and grow closer and closer together. They invest 40 hours a week together and develop a deep friendship over the course of those 10 years. Now imagine that her work best friend who has become such an integral part of her life, decides to leave the job and move to another company. As a result, their once close friendship gradually fades away. It is likely that she will feel a sense of loss and have to adjust to the absence of this colleague who meant so much to her. However, when compared to the breakup of a boyfriend with whom she had been in a sexual relationship for only one year, the emotional struggle is much greater. She may struggle with depression and experience feelings of grief, loss, rejection, and loneliness for years. She will cry her eyes out for her boyfriend, who she had only known for one year. 
but she will not struggle to the same level with her colleague she was close to for 10 years. When two individuals engage in sexual intimacy, a profound spiritual connection is established, reaching depths that extend far beyond the physical realm. It is a union that surpasses mere physical pleasure and transcends the boundaries of ordinary human relationships. In that intimate act, something extraordinary occurs, a merging of souls, a mingling of spirits. This spiritual connection goes far beyond the physical sensations and pleasures experienced in the here and now. It delves into the realms of eternity where time ceases to exist and the constraints of the material world fade away. It is a connection that binds their souls together, weaving an intricate tapestry of shared experiences, emotions, and desires. Fornication establishes a deep spiritual bond between individuals, and this is precisely why breakups can be incredibly agonizing. Have you ever noticed how difficult breakups are? Have you ever wondered why divorces are so profoundly challenging? Even in the context of a casual boyfriend-girlfriend relationship where fornication has taken place, the pain of a breakup can be excruciating. The reason behind this lies in the fact that we were not created by our divine creator to engage in promiscuous behavior, hopping from one bed to another and leaving a trail of broken connections in our wake. No, we were designed for a more sacred purpose. Breakups are intensely difficult for both men and women because when you sever ties with someone to whom you have intimately bound yourself, it feels like you're bleeding from the depths of your being. You might be inclined to dismiss the significance of a non-marital relationship, uh, thinking that since you didn't exchange vows and say, I do, it wasn't serious. However, that assumption is misguided. When you join yourself to another person and form a deep emotional and physical connection, the pain of breaking that bond is excruciating. It cuts deep into your soul, leaving wounds that are slow to heal. The pain of a breakup is unique like a heavy weight pressing upon your chest, an ever-present companion that accompanies you wherever you go. It's not a pain that can be numbed with a simple painkiller. Rather, it is a pain that lingers, breathes, and intertwines with your very being. Even if years pass and communication between the two is non-existent, the mere sight of a text message from your ex can send your heart plummeting or racing. The lingering effects of the spiritual connection you once shared are undeniable. You may wonder why the emotional aftershocks persist long after the physical separation. Why are the feelings and emotions for that person persistent? Where you can be going to sleep at night thinking about your ex you broke up with five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago? Sex does change people. It does. What does the Bible say about our body and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? The Bible provides us with a clear stance on fornication, adultery, and the significance of honoring our bodies. It beautifully portrays our bodies as temples of Christ, holy sanctuaries deserving of reverence and respect. Respect your body. Honor your body. God demands you to honor it. God requires you to honor it. When individuals engage in bodily sins, like fornication and adultery, they are committing acts of sexual immorality, thereby sinning against their own bodies, which are the temples of Christ. It is vital to recognize that we do not possess ownership over ourselves. 
for we have been purchased at a great price. Therefore, it is crucial that every action we take with our bodies aligns with the will of the one who sacrificially died for us and called us to salvation. Our lives must reflect the gratitude and obedience we owe to him. 1 Corinthians 7.23 Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye servants of men. Verse 13 Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. The opening lines, which may have been slogans and trendy justifications adopted by the Corinthian church, aim to downplay the seriousness of the sins they committed with their body. They likened sex to food, suggesting that just as food satisfies hunger, sex satisfies sexual urges. However, the Apostle Paul rejected these comparisons, emphasizing their temporary nature. He sternly warned against belittling the body and undermining its significance in worshiping God. Our bodies serve a greater purpose. They house the Spirit of God and embody the presence of the Most High. It is essential to grasp the profound truth that God dwells within us. Therefore, we cannot align ourselves with those who chant the mantra of, I can do what I like with my body. As children of God, we are called to obedience, not indulgence. We must demonstrate our devotion to God by obeying His commands. If we claim that God is our Lord, then we must prove it through our actions. As Lucas 646 states, why do we call Him Lord if we do not do the things He instructs us to do? Obedience is the true mark of our commitment to God and our recognition of His Lordship over our lives. Verse 15 and 16. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he who is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Apostle Paul continues to unveil profound insights about the body, shedding light on aspects that believers in the Corinthian church had disregarded and reduced to a mere tool for pleasure. He challenges their understanding of the indwelling of Christ within them and questions their audacity to engage in sacrilegious acts with their bodies. How can Christ reside within them while they willingly unite themselves with a harlot, an unbeliever, or someone with whom they haven't entered into holy matrimony? His response echoes with firmness, God forbid, despite being products of a deeply entrenched culture of moral decay. Paul expected the Corinthian believers to have broken free from its grip after surrendering their lives to Christ. He goes even further to inquire if they truly comprehend the spiritual consequences of engaging in intimate relationships with strangers, both men and women. These probing questions challenge the believers to reflect on their actions and the sacredness of their bodies as vessels of the indwelling Christ. Paul's admonition serves as a wake-up call, urging them to embrace a higher standard of purity and honor. Okay, and that was that video um so what i did and he didn't mention this part but the spiritual baggage that can be left behind this is entitled how to pass from curse to blessing and self-deliverance it's just four steps i'm not i've posted this many times four different steps you can take regarding this uh 
and you know if you, if you don't believe in deliverance you know that's but if you look at what jesus christ did i mean <laughs> like a third of his ministry was casting out devils essentially okay and um i don't think there's any less devils in people now than there were then and i guess there's some that believe once you get saved then they all go out from you and you have no more struggles well that wasn't the case for me okay i was changed i was transformed but you know i still and still do struggle and i'm not saying we're not going to struggle with the flesh until the day we die um you know the whole war that takes place between carnal man and spiritual man and the holy spirit you know that whole war but uh <clears throat> i found this to be extremely beneficial and a lot of other people have as well so it's just four different steps you can do uh you can avail yourself to that it will be in the pdf for this date of um october 23rd 2023 and then also because he mentioned marriage i'm going to post my uh my little thing on a biblical look at marriage divorce divorce and remarriage uh, excellent biblical based books this is from dr roy branson a pastor uh, I've corresponded with him on several occasions, and I think he's on my email list still. And um, he's got two different books, and the one book is called "But If Thou Marry." Now it's both under. There's two volumes. You have to buy both, but they're twenty bucks. They're hardback. They're really high quality books. It's only twenty dollars, and I give you a link on where to buy those. Okay. Now you might be able to find it, but it's. The website's little known, and even if you do a keyword search for this, I don't know if you'll find them. Um, but it's a bill of divorcement, volume one, which is but but and if thou marry, and then a bill of divorcement, volume two, thou hast not sinned. And the first one is a must for every home and Christian school: how to marry right and how to not. Tells how to keep a marriage good, how to keep a husband from the arms of another woman. Um, your unmarried friend or teens need this. And then the second one is at last a help and not a hindrance for the great army of divorced, neglected Christians. Most complete study ever done. I I've never seen a book like it. He covers in he covers stuff in here that I've never heard another pastor cover. And it's all on the Bible. It's not like he's reaching it, grasping at straws here. I, I think it's the finest thing out there. Anyway, I give a link on, on where to order. And um, I even give his phone numbers. I don't know if they're still good, but the last time I checked, I give two different phone numbers and his email address. Okay, so if you want to avail yourself to that as well. Um, it will help every pastor far more than he can imagine in counseling with teens, unmarried adults, married couples. Every family should have it and should be required reading for every young person, all those entering into marriage. I agree. This should be required. And you never hardly hear me recommend saying this is a book that you need to be reading. Okay. This is one of the exceptions. Uh, and I'm not saying there's not good books out there. I'm not. Uh, but for regarding this subject, I don't know of anything better. Okay. And then the last thing is this video, The Rise of the Antichrist, Bethel, The Passion Bible Translation, Michael W. Smith, Jesus Culture, CCM, and the Christian reaction. So when you're singing your Bethel songs in church, you're supporting Bill Johnson in these type of teachings financially. That is a dangerous, dangerous game to play. 
Now, Michael W. Smith, and let's look at some teaching from Brian Simmons and what literally the, some of these things that him and his wife have taught. And the Lord came up to me and he said, Brian, I have brought you here to let you take any two books you want. This is Brian Simmons about to describe what Jesus is now. It's not at all what the Word of God says. This is what he's going to be covering. I probably should have started a little bit before this, but this is how he starts his video. Have you ever read about a tickle angel in the Bible? A tickle angel in the Bible. I mean, listen, I came out of high hardcore charismania. There is not a whole lot that's going to surprise me. I have seen the most bizarre, strange, weird, been in the middle of it. I mean, <laughs> so... And it really doesn't surprise me. Now, if you've never heard my teaching on Todd Bentley and how a listener of mine, when I was back in Fort Myers, we went down there and I got, I truly believe that God used us to shut down that whole Todd Bentley thing because within the week of after we went there to pray and he wasn't even there at his, the, the, when he had moved to this little airport in Lakeland, this little, uh, whatever, that whole thing fell apart. And it, back in the day, back at that time, I don't know what it was, like 2008-ish. That was one of the biggest things going on in the planet. I mean, huge. I did so many teachings exposing Todd Bentley. And basically came to the conclusion he was nothing more than a Satanist, a closet Luciferian. Just put in that position. And in charismatic circles, it's, it's some of the easiest to infiltrate because uh, they pray in, you know, so many times the witches and warlocks will go there and they'll just pray in their demonic tongues. And you're just opening yourself up to so much stuff. They're not doing it biblically. Uh, whether you believe in tongues or not, they don't do it biblically. And um, the uh, if you just can't Todd Bentley in revival, you should find it where, we, where that was shut down. I don't want to take the credit. It's God's credit, but he did send us there. And within really... Mm, five days five to six days that thing was gone and it had been going strong for months and months people were flying in all over the planet to go to this it was in lakeland florida and yeah it was it was all done it was all done all the scandals broke about him that week there was all kind of i, I go into it in the actual uh, study i did on todd bentley and you're talking to somebody that came out of hardcore Pentecostal charismania, the charismatic movement. So I'm well aware of the insane crap that can go on there. It's not good. Howdy, y'all. I'm Brylan. Now, there's a battle raging before our very eyes. I'm not talking about a physical battle, but a spiritual battle. And now you're thinking, well, duh, look around. Our society is crumbling. There is so much insanity and depravity. Wrong is right, right is wrong, just like the Bible says. But yeah, society is crumbling. But that's not what I'm talking I'm not talking about secular society. I'm not talking about outside the church. This video, I'm talking about the absolute spiritual battle raging from within the church. In fact, you just have to look at the book of Galatians. The whole point of Paul writing this book to the Galatians is that they were being led astray. Mm -hmm. In fact, it, later on in Galatians, Paul says, who has bewitched you? Right. He's talking to his fellow brothers 
and sisters in Christ. One of my favorite books in the Bible, Galatians. And he is saying, this is how he starts his book off, a very short greeting, the shortest greeting of all of Paul's books, because he wants to get straight to the point, straight to the heart this of This is not King James. Evidently, he doesn't have any realization of that, but I just want to give you a little warning. And he says in verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Talking about those within the church troubling genuine believers and trying to bewitch genuine believers and they were succeeding for a time and they were actually turning these fellow believers uh, against the true gospel and verse 8 says but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you let him be accursed now check this out verse 9 as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Mm -hmm. And that's where this story comes in. I want to show you this. There is a somewhat popular uh, Bible translation going around called the Passion Translation. This came out a few years ago. Now it's just the New Testament and some you know, some other uh, old testament the problem is is he's reading from a corrupt tr translation and then he's going to talk about another corrupt translation which is even more corrupt than his that's the ironic part uh don't believe me just key in king james um bible in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com you can email me i have a gigantic thing i mean i've done whole things on the niv and different translations and that whole subject don't have time to recover that but i've done whole teachings on it and books the full bible isn't finished yet but this is a bible translation called the passion translation being translated by a man named brian simmons and i want to show you some extremely absolutely vile disgusting horrific heretical false teachings from this man that claims to be translating the bible and then I want to show you some very prominent people that are endorsing this passion, tran passion translation. This is not an actual translation of the Bible. But this is making waves to where you even saw, for a time, uh, legitimate Bible websites <laughs> literally putting this translation amongst the trusted translations on their site. Mm -hmm. However, since then... Uh, some of these websites have removed the Passion Translation because there was enough criticism to say, hey, you know what, this is a dangerous, heretical work, and it, ha it does not belong within Christianity. Now, I'm going to play you several clips, okay, several clips to show you Brian Simmons, this man on the right here. This is the man claiming to have received word from Jesus himself to create a new translation of the Word of God. Well, I'll let his words speak for themselves, but I want to show you several clips here. And then I want to show you some teachings from Brian that are e extremely disturbing. And then I want to show you who endorses this translation and show you why. But it's I mean, that's that's standard course. You, you, you watch a show like Sid Roth or, or one of those things, um, TBN. It's, it's always their guests. They always hear from God. 
an audible voice or something or had a dream and it's funny because that's what a lot of times what they're basing their whole life off of it's why they're different than the next maybe minister they've had some direct revelation from god but the thing is is though we are an angel from heaven preaching the gospel then you're taught in the word of god let him be accursed okay and so much of the time when you start looking at what they're supposedly being told or shown from supposedly God, it contradicts the word of God. So therefore, you know not to even follow them, to give any credence to them. I mean, if they were a prophet in the Old Testament, you'd take them out and stone them. Okay, Deuteronomy 18. Um, or Deuteronomy 13, where it talks about even if what they're predicting or telling you is true, but it leads you away from God, you still kill them. And that's so much of the time what these guys that start their own little cults, cult followings do. Oh, they're hearing from God. Soon as I hear somebody say that, that's red flags for me. I've heard so many people in um, Christianity use those terms. I heard from God. He spoke to me audibly. And therefore, in your own mind, you automatically start thinking, well, okay, if I believe this guy and he's hearing from God, on such an intimate level, then I need to like really look at what he's talking about or she's talking about. And I, I'm going to have a propensity if I keep going down this road to, to start following them. And typically, from what I've heard, people that talk in those terms are typically never of God. Okay, maybe there's some exceptions. Okay, but that is typically a something that is a gigantic red flag from my experience of being a Christian since 1993. Okay, I've went down and followed a lot of false teachers over the years because of that type of dynamic. Oh, I heard from God. Oh, God spoke to me. Well, what, whatever he's speaking to you, it better line up with what the word of God says. And there's been a lot of people that I don't give any credence to at all that a lot of people hold in very high regard because I've seen them falsely prophesy. Or say, God said this to me and then it doesn't come to pass or it's against or contrary to scripture. That's all I need to know. I'm out of there. This is why I just tell people, just read the King James Bible. And be very, very cautious about what ministries you follow, who you set yourself under, or what church you're going to. Because, because whom a man has overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. Okay, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. So you got to be super careful. Dangerous and why so many prominent people in, in Christianity are endorsing this translation so that you won't be fooled into thinking that this is a legitimate work of God. So what happened was one morning, uh, about five in the morning, I was up praying, seeking God's face, and I heard the audible voice. Okay, so again, up, oh, what a man of God. He's up early seeking God's face, and then he hears the audible word of God. This is the guy that's writing the passion, the blasphemous passion translation. So see, this is how subtle and how good Satan can be. I've heard this same rhetoric over and over and over from people that are supposedly, you know, call themselves Christians and, oh, they're so sincere. Oh, they're so, they act so godly. Oh, this or that. Yeah, you better, you better look deeper than that. God, Kelsey, the one and only time in my life that I've heard the audible voice. I thought somebody was playing a trick on me. I walked around to make sure there was nobody that was doing this. And I sat down again with my open Bible, said, God, if that's you, say it again. And he said, I have a work for you to do in North America. You're going to go back and bring my word 
to my people. Okay, so here's Brian Simmons claiming that God himself spoke audibly. He goes on in the interview to talk about what it was like to be inside the voice of God that he audibly heard. God commissioning him to bring the word of God to his people. Now, this isn't being... Even though we've already got the word of God in the King James Bible. Even though we've already got that, God needs another translation on top of the other hundred that are out there. He needs another one, okay? Because, you know, God evidently, according to him, God is the author of confusion. Why would God have over a hundred translations out there? God is not the author of confusion. That is confusion. Which one's the right one? Which 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 can it be? Well, I've given my my views on that with the King James, which is basically translated from a totally different text line than these other translations that spawned from two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, that were then translated by two high-level occultists, Westcott and Hort, in 1881, which spawned the Revised Version, which then spawned all, basically all of our, our modern-day translations that we have today. The vast, vast majority of them were spawned from the Revised Translation of 1881, from two Christ-hating, um, literal guys that had went to seances with Charles Darwin and these types of people, Westcott and Hort, two occultists. So, again, just King King James and the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, that's where I stand. Meant to go and share the word of God that we have, the legitimate word of God. This is God saying the actual word of God that he's going to give to Brian Simmons needs to be shared with people as if right. we don't have... As if, as if we've never had the word of God before that. Oh, well, I guess, you know, whatever... Aren't we fortunate to have this guy to finally, 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 after all these years, after the, the Jesus Christ dying on the cross, you know, we finally have the word of God because of this devil that supposedly heard the audible voice of God to finally bring us the word of God in the time the Bible warns us about the most that evil men and seducers shall wax, meaning grow, worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I'm supposed to believe that now we're finally going to get the truth. No, the Bible, even Jesus Christ warns in Matthew 24, be not deceived regarding the times that we're in and going into. Be not deceived. The time of great deception. And that God will send strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned or receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure and unrighteousness according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 the word of god now that isn't the most troubling clip however the fact that brian simmons audibly hears from god to to to, to make this translation but i want to show you brian simmons on here on a talk show in front of this audience this is a legitimate talk show uh, and I mean, it's it's all these guys all these women and these guys they all audibly hear from god it's the same thing you, you go on all the TBN or anything for, for years and years and years, the, the clips I've seen. Oh, yeah. All these all these 501c3 greed-driven total apostate devil ministries, they all hear from God. Well, you know what, guys? They're way all more holier than I am. They're way more because I've never heard the audible voice of God. Never. I don't know if I ever said that on air, but I haven't. haven't heard the audible voice of God. I haven't. I guess I'm just nowhere near their spiritual level and probably a lot of you haven't heard either neither of you we're, we're just not we're not worthy of such greatness even though they're clearly in it for the money <laughs> even though that's totally their agenda 
in order just to deceive and, and you know, usually it boils down to money. I mean, love of money is the root of all evil, so. Honestly, you're going to watch this and think this looks like a spoof, but it's not. This is a legitimate audience. Now, I'm not saying I've never had like God prompt me or, or I felt strong convictions about things. Yes, but I'm talking about hearing the audible voice of God. That's, I just want to distinguish that legitimate talk show, but listen to what he says about how he was taken into heaven and God revealed the heavenly libraries to him. Okay. How in the world did you get into the library room of heaven? I want to go there. Okay. So Sid Roth's it's natural. I have said before, I do believe there are books in heaven. And I think I've proven that scripturally that there are books written about us in heaven talks about that even okay and i don't know if this is where he said he went i don't know but anyway you know as believers in christ now real quick you can see this is the host over here he says how did you get into the heavenly libraries and if you see down here this is all about promoting the passion translation it's a bible box set 15 books of the bible in eight volumes uh, what he currently has translated. He still has not finished the whole thing, but he says he's going to. But this is him talking about how he went to heaven, spoke directly to Jesus. There's only one. Before we get into that, I just got convicted about this. Okay. Psalm 56, 8. Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. This is the psalmist talking to God. Are they not in thy book? So he numbers the hair on our heads and he knows the tears that we've cried. Okay? They're in they're being logged in a book. And you know, a lot of people have kind of described it as probably there's angels around us logging these things about our life. Okay? Then Psalm 139:16. Thine eyes did see my substance. Now this is before we were created. Okay? As a spirit. This is before our soul and spirit were created. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written. There's another reference to another book that God has about us, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. We were created by God out of essentially nothing. Okay? Two instances here in the Bible, in Psalms, where it mentions books about us. Okay, just so, just so you know, that's one of the, uh, a couple verses that I would use to, to talk about that particular subject. Entrance into the realm of the Spirit, and that is the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus Christ. It's, we don't work it up, we don't get into an ecstatic state on our own. I was actually asleep. And I was taken out of my body and I was brought into this immense library room. I loved being there and the Lord came up to me and he said, Brian, I have brought you here. Brought you here. So they have the long haired hippie, uh, literally hippie looking Jesus uh, throwback from the 60s in the, in the room, even though I don't believe that that's the way Jesus looks. And I've done a whole teaching on that. Um, just keying master Jesus. 
This is the ascended master looking Jesus that's going to come back with probably the Imam Mahdi, like I mentioned in part one, as his little sidekick and or the ascended master Jesus, also known as Esau Sananda Emmanuel, that will come back with the ascended masters. Could be very, very soon when the whole world deception really, really kicks into high gear when we have the UFOs and the ascended masters and the aliens and all the World War III and the whole nine yards and the Antichrist and false prophet coming to power. We've been prepped for that for a very, very long time, just from Hollywood alone. Take any two books you want. Now, honestly, like uh, if you were watching this, you would think this was like a like a sketch comedy thing. <laughs> I mean, this is an absolute joke. It, <laughs> this is so typical for what goes on in like a typical Sid Roth broadcast. This is nothing out of the ordinary, guys. I mean, if, if I had to, you know go over in 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 you know I, I it would it would be like literally every single day you could do another video on all the unbiblical stuff that goes on just there like you want to laugh but and then you realize that this is serious this is a real story that brian simmons is telling about being taken out of his body brought up to heaven to see the glory of god be able to choose any books he wants from the library of heaven and come back and share it with the rest of humanity this is absolutely disgusting there, there, there is at zero biblical support for this at all zero you just have to take your word from a man that you're going to see in just a minute right. teach some very heretical things and you start to realize wait this man is literally being led by a spirit but not the Spirit of God. And, and I'm just walking around, but it didn't take long before I saw a book that I knew I was to have. And then soon I saw another book I knew I was to have. But uh, you'll never want me back on the show when I tell you what happened then. What? Okay, now I have to pause every little bit, otherwise copyright, all that kind of stuff. But I, I, want, I want you to realize this, that this man is claiming to be in the library of God, and God is telling him that he can take two books back to share with the rest of humanity. Now, what you're going to see is a very similar story to Joseph Smith and, and Mormonism. Right. That an angel visited mm -hmm. Joseph Smith, gave him divine... The angel Moroni, and gave him, like, I don't know, so many golden plates... Which, I don't know, I guess had maybe the doctrine for the Book of Mormon or whatever on it. I mean, absolute, total, you know, lie from the pit of hell. Uh, of course, maybe he was visited by a demonic spirit. But he was, what he did is he took the secrets of the Freemasons because he was one of them. Okay. And he took them and he started his own cult, which with many of the same handshakes and tokens and gestures that the freemasons had he just amalgamated that and wove it into his own cult called mormonism and started his own cult devil religion there okay and that's a big reason why they believe he was assassinated by the freemasons because he stole their secrets to add to the Bible, which the Bible says don't do, and right. but now suddenly there is a new Bible. There is added revelation to the Bible, and mm -hmm. only I have that revelation. Yeah, read, read the very end of the Bible in Revelation. If you add to these things of, of this book, I'll add unto you the plagues, and if you take away, basically, from this book, I will take away your part out of the book of life. This is not something I would want to mess around with. And, but remember, Paul says if anyone...
comes to you with a gospel contrary to what you have already received. We already have the gospel. We already have the word of God. Exactly. And if anyone tries to add to that or tell you something different than what you've already received, let him be accursed. Well, I have to tell you the truth. I saw a third book and I knew the Lord told me I could only take two. And in heaven, whatever you think is put out over the loudspeaker. Everyone hears it. Your thoughts are broadcasted. So here's what I hear coming out of the loudspeaker, and it's my own thoughts. How? Okay, real quick. So this man is describing things of how heaven is, and your thoughts are put out over the loudspeaker. So he's claiming to be in heaven while having sinful thoughts about betraying God and taking a third book. That's what you're going to hear him say. However, Paul talks about the experience of when he went to heaven, and he didn't even dare to try to describe... I don't believe you can have sinful thoughts in heaven. I don't believe that that's even possible. From, I, I just don't believe that. So, But evidently, he's kind of an exception, and yeah, he wants to steal another book. Yeah, you know, Jesus only said he can have two. He wants to have a third one. So, you know... What he saw because he felt that it would be indescribable. Paul felt it would be a sin for him to try to describe the glorious perfection of heaven. And yet you have this man just willy-nilly lighthearted. You're not going to believe me, but I'm, in about, I'm about to tell you the truth. Listen mm-hmm. up. Right. And then describes parts of heaven, the, uh, the library in heaven. But I hear coming out of the loudspeaker, and it's my own thoughts. How can I steal this book? <laughs> No way. If I could just take this book back with me to the natural realm, it would trigger awakening in all the nations of the earth. It would bring the, it would make the name of Jesus famous on the in the world. But Jesus came to me and said, Brian, I cannot let you take this book. Look at what this book was supposedly called. Oh my John Lord. 22. John has 21 chapters. <laughs> Yet Brian Simmons is claiming that he was taken to heaven and shown a book called John 22, the unfinished chapter i guess of the gospel of john and it's just sitting there waiting to be shared and brian simmons was thinking how can i steal this book from god and come down and share it with everybody sounds biblical to me i mean come on extra biblical revelation (laughs) revelation that should not cannot and will not be revealed to anybody this book doesn't exist by the way but He's claiming that there's extra biblical authority and inspiration that he has but can't share yet. Mm, the time isn't right. This is satanic. This is Satan trying to lead people astray by coming as an angel of light. Look, th- this is from the heavenly realms. Right. are not ready for that book. No. Then he promised, but I will bring you back one day. And I will give you that book. What was the title? Written on the cover of the book was John 22. Let's look at some teaching from Brian Simmons and what literally some of these things that him and his wife have taught Mm. and said during sermons that are heresy. They're heretical. There's no other way to put it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it Uh, because the truth of the gospel is at stake here. And we cannot be fooled by these people that come in and claim to have a different gospel. And it is a different gospel. So here's Brian Simmons' wife claiming to 
send out tickle angels to the, the, the audience here. More joy, Lord. We can't get enough joy, Lord Jesus. Tickle them, Lord. Tickle them. Tickle them. Send the tickle angels. And it shows these people thrashing around and it's kind of typical charismatic thing. I've been in many of these. And you can see this woman, this is very charismatic. I mean, you can see that it's like yeah. charismatic to the extreme. I mean, you see this woman up here convulsing, clapping, throwing her head back. And, oh, the tickle angels are tickling me. Have you ever read about a tickle angel in the Bible? <laughs> no. Uh, this morning I was working on Mark 6. And, uh, I'm just really, really. I was working on change in Mark 6 because that's his new passion translation that's going to change the word of God add to it, take away, change it, you know, even though all the warnings about that. But anyway. I thrilled that God would, would choose me for this. Mm. And he, Jesus came into my room in 2009 and uh, commissioned me to do this. Mm. So right, right here you're seeing again, he's, yeah. a, he's, he's recounting how Jesus came literally. Mm -hmm. it, and he means this literally because yeah. he said elsewhere how he literally heard from from God audibly and he literally saw the Lord in the heavenlies and now he's saying Jesus came into his room walked into his office and said I am commissioning you to make a new right. word of God total now, blasphemy total total blasphemy you need to listen to this Brian Simmons goes on to talk about boasting and how boasting will be your downfall Yet he has boasted about being in the presence of God, being right. commissioned by Jesus himself, hearing the voice of God audibly, about being the one commissioned by God to make a new word of God. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and then going to heaven, to the heavenly library. Goes on to talk about how he was visited by Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Graham. Okay, yeah. Again, key, key in Billy Graham in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. Uh, that's all I'll say. Unbelievable. Comes from your lips is a prophecy of where you're about to tumble, where you're about to fall. So be careful. The Lord resists the pride. Do you want God to resist you? And that pride. Oh yeah, because he's not totally operating in pride. There are literally thousands of devils like this, roaming the planet, like roaring lions, seeking whom they may devour, and bringing in their little, their little death cults. I'm telling you, these guys are a dime a dozen. These same kind of devils. Be very leery of this. You know, it, it just let righteousness be Christ. Christ is our righteousness. He's good enough for all of us. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Billy Graham told me that. He came to me and told me in a dream. So Billy Graham's coming from Hellfire to give him a word from hell, and he's telling them this. Okay. And even if you think he's in heaven, there is no scripture for getting visitations from people that have died and went to either heaven or hell. I mean, I understand, yeah, I guess you could say the rich man and Lazarus and this, but even even he he wanted to go to his brothers, but he wasn't permitted to go. That was a story about, you know, Lazarus and the rich man, that type of thing. There's just no biblical... Um, grounds you're going to be able to stand on where we can say oh it's it's normal to have visitations from people that are either either in heaven or hell and they're going to tell us stuff 
and things of this nature. But that, it, this whole Billy Graham thing doesn't surprise me one bit about this devil. There are so many facepalm moments in this where you just want to bury your face and think there are people in the crowd uh, encouraging him, amening him, amen, praise God, yeah, go on. He talks about boasting and, and being prideful and how that's going to be your downfall and how Billy Graham himself came to him in a dream again, audibly, Billy Graham. Now Billy Graham is coming to him in dreams there is zero biblical support for anything you're going to hear him say it is extremely dangerous to fall under the deception of teachers like this and he talks about how pride how being boastful is a prophecy of where you're going to fall speaking of prophecy Brian Simmons has made one other point I want to make. And again, this is not because I'm trying to be whatever chauvinistic, but every single person in the first clip that they show, they're all women in this audience. Okay. And it reminds me of this verse that having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So this guy has a form of godliness. I think we can all agree. Okay. But denying the power thereof from such turn away. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive, captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the type of garbage you're going to get in modern day Christendom. Okay, never ending books at Christian bookstores, never ending people that could go on, on Sid Roth or TBN or whatever thing. But they're leading you into darkness. They're, they're ever learning. They're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Jannies and Jamborees withstood Moses, so did these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be man, made manifest unto all men, as theirs was also. So, this is just something we really, really want to kind of stay away from, if we can at all avoid these types of things and, and we all can avoid this and he talks about how pride how being boastful is a prophecy of where you're going to fall speaking of prophecy brian simmons has made new numbers of prophecies years and years ago that didn't come true well i want you to see well what, then in the old testament you take them out and kill them but there's no ramifications for that anymore at least not in this life this because there's no real church discipline. There's no real, and, and again, because there's no real church discipline, they don't go by what the Bible says at all. Most most guys that were are in the are pastors now are totally disqualified, from what I can see. They don't rule their own house well. They, I mean, there's so many points I could go over, but that's just the norm. Brian Simmons thinks of the spirit. I want you to see what he really thinks. And this is just the cherry on top. His eyes, we are feminine. By the way, did you know the Holy Spirit in both Greek and Hebrew is always feminine? Oh, so the Holy Spirit in the Greek and Hebrew is always feminine. You hear that blasphemy? May his tongue turn black and rot out of his maggot-infested head in the sight of all men. That's blaspheme in the Holy Spirit as far as I'm concerned. That's the unforgivable sin. That's the she kind of glory that they talk about. She, like a feminine. I, there's hardly anything that gets me more fired up than that. 
because it's a direct attack on the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what I just did is I just added the two teachings where I talk about this, the whole Shekinah glory thing. And the one teaching is related. It's from 1130 of 14, 2014, part two. And the table of contents is HarperCollins and Duck Commander uh, NKJV. This is the New King James Version of the Bible. Uh, and Duck Dynasty Warning, HarperCollins Warning, HarperCollins... Um, uh, I believe, yeah, the publisher of the NIV, HarperCollins, also publishes the Satanic Bible. So HarperCollins publishes both the new, uh, the NIV version, the New International Version, which has a lesbian called Virginia Mullencott on the translation committee, and they also publish the Satanic Bible. Okay. The New King James Version and the Lucius Trust, ready for a one world church. The NKJV has the pagan trinity also, the triquetra symbol, the triple wicked goddess symbol. It's not the symbol of the Holy Spirit or the trinity. It's not that. It's always been the triple wicked goddess symbol. Then listener feedback regarding the feminine God, mother divinity, and the unholy trinity. Okay, and then along those lines, the Shekinah glory cult prevalent among different apostate sects of Christianity. This is where they teach that the Holy Spirit is feminine. Which would line up with the whole Catholic thing about, oh, you've got God the Father, baby Jesus, and then Mother Mary. That's how part of that twisting of Scripture. Okay? The Shekinah glory cult prevalent among different apostate sects of Christianity and Judaism. The Shekinah, the doctrine that the Holy Spirit is female. Then, another teaching I did on 7.15 of 12, part 3, where I have one part entitled, The She Kind of Glory, Blasphemy, the Doctrine that Teaches the Holy Spirit is Feminine, the Divine Feminine, Jack Hiles, David Stewart, and the Mormon Warnings. Okay, so I give you the links to those, to those studies, if you want to, uh, if you want to listen to those. I, I, I posted it in the PDF. I just added that in. All right, let's go back to this audio we'll wrap this up yeah, yeah, yeah. but nobody would want to talk to her i don't know why we don't talk to her so he's saying i don't know why we don't talk to her the holy spirit this blasphemous devil that supposedly he's heard from god this is typical on what you're going to get on sid roth or tbn or the charismatic circles it's just like they make up their own dogma and doctrine in their own little cult following they just kind of make it up as they go they have no fear of god whatsoever they add to they take away from the word of god these are hell-bound devils trying to get you into hellfire and this is how you know satan operates i think we've got an issue or two but that's all right here we go again the divine feminine here now this isn't about being pharmaceutical this isn't about saying no, it's just a fellow brother in Christ, just with a different interpretation. That's not what this is, not at all. This is about defending the Word of God and stopping someone from... Just like Paul wrote to the Galatians, to warn them and to call them out from amongst those who are leading them astray. That's what this is, a man leading you astray and then calling the Holy Spirit to her. No one wants to talk to her. That's why no one says her about the Holy Spirit. This is blasphemy. Now, real quick, I want you to see how Brian Simmons describes Jesus, okay? 
This is Brian Simmons about to describe what Jesus is now. It's not at all what the Word of God says. We're the seed of Christ, the 42nd generation. We complete the genealogy of Jesus. Christ is no longer a man, he's a people. You and I at Cary, like Mary, we will bring forth the Christ. Jesus is no longer... <laughs> We're like Mary, and we will bring forth the Christ. Where does the blasphemy end? With this slime ball. He, I mean, I'm telling you, the only thing this guy's goal is... Whether he's a Luciferian or not, his his the, what the spirits that animate and operate through this guy, it's to get you into hell fire for eternity. A man, he is a people, contrary to what the Bible says. Instead, Jesus Christ is you and I. We are Jesus Christ now. That we are the final form of Jesus Christ, and while he does add truth because every great lie has a little bit of truth in it. Ultimately, what he says is meant to deceive. By taking the truth and twisting it just enough so that it sounds like it could be the Word of God, and, and maybe it is because we are so Bible illiterate today that we are able to just fall for this kind of thing, hook, line, and sinker, because we aren't in the Word of God for ourselves, and we need to be. But again, this guy doesn't even know what the Word of God is. He's not telling you to get in the King James. He's just saying, get in the Bible. Yet he's exposing the passion. But what's the Bible then? Which translation out of the hundreds or whatever, there, however many there are now, is it? I've always told you which one it is. Okay. But I'm just saying we need to be more precise. I plead with you to be in the word of God for yourself. To know when these teachers but are But he'll tell you the NIV is the word of God. The NIV has 64,098 less words than the King James, which is almost 10% of the total text. Who were those translators tithing that 10% of the total text to when they left it out? There's whole verses missing out of the NIV. Again, a rabid uh, lesbian named Virginia Molencott was on the translations committee. He was a new ager and hated God. Does that matter? What about Westcott and Horton, the 1881 that, that spawned the NIV? That's just one. There's just a couple points I brought up there. So let's get more, you know, precise in what the Word of God is. ...up and spreading false gospels, saying things that are antithetical to the Word of God. And instead of falling for them, you can say, no, that's not what God's Word says. Now, here's a big proponent of the Passion Translation. This is actually a little uh, back-and-forth interview thing that Bethel did on their their channel and they're talking about here's bill johnson talking about the passion translation and why he loves it but i want you to listen very carefully to what bill johnson says about the the passion translation and then i'm going to show you some other very prominent names that are endorsing this this passion translation not that bethel was ever trustworthy i have videos on my channel of the absolute insanity of Bethel and, and how they have Bethel tarot cards and, and you know that's just one <laughs> insane thing that they've done but there we go check out what Bill Johnson has to say about the passion translation here 
But for inspiration, oftentimes I will read, I love the Passion Translation. There are so many things. Every time he, he deviates from what would be a traditional uh -huh. approach to a verse, yeah. he explains it so powerfully that, that even if you don't agree with him, you at least understand where he's coming from. Well, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool, and the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So evidently, it's a very heartfelt thing. Oh, he can justify why he's, tr why he's changing all these verses, but he's so he's so compelling. He's so his explanations are so good. I just I just go with it. I guess there's no standard here. There's no standard at all. Which I really enjoy that part of the problem. What on earth is happening? I love the Passion Translation, but even when he deviates from what the Bible actually says. He does it in a way to where you understand where he's coming from. Because he's like Satan. He's the most subtle beast of the field. And that's all Satan did when he went to Eve. Is he just changed the word of God slightly. Yea, hath God said. That's how, Satan got, that's how Satan went to Jesus when he was trying to tempt him after fasting for 40 days. Same thing. Just slightly modifying the word of God. To try to trick, you know, Eve or Jesus into going along with his agenda. So it's okay. That's that's exactly what Bill Johnson said here. That is an absolute, insane, dangerous way to lead the flock astray. Oh yeah, but it's all by design on purpose. These are wolves in sheep's clothing. They have no love for the sheep. And this is what they do. And the Bible predicted in the end times they would be very, very prevalent. So God bless you, and that's all we have for today. I mean, the, the video goes about another seven minutes if you want to listen to the rest of it. Um, God bless you, and we will see you in the next audio, Lord willing. Scott Johnson's 1,000 plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free. 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H.com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2359 Highway 70, Southeast, number 321, Hickory, NC, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.